Global Capital Podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Global Capital Podcast. I'm Ralph Sinclair, the editor of Global Capital. And I'm John Hay, the Corporate Finance and Sustainability Editor. This is the final Global Capital Podcast of the year, so we'll be using it to take a look ahead to next year. That's especially important given how many major central bank monetary policy decisions there were this week. With the Federal Reserve in the US, the Bank of England and the European Central Bank all announcing new policy measures. Um, John, can you set the scene for us briefly? Why were this week's central bank announcements so important for the capital markets? Well, it comes really towards the end of this coronavirus phase that has been so exceptional in capital markets since March 2020. Of course, the coronavirus isn't over by any means, but the economic shock of it and the policy response from central banks and governments is ebbing. And that that has been very dominant in markets for the past 18 months to two years, with special extra measures laid on by central banks, basically pumping more money into the into the bond markets by buying bonds. Um, and, and that is now coming to the stage where it needs to be phased out because the economy is picking up and inflation is rising to levels now which are beyond what central banks really want to see. And of course, this comes right before uh, the capital market's busiest spell of the year, doesn't it, January? Yes, well, particularly for uh, the public sector and and high-grade borrowers, uh, which which borrow a lot, they issue programmatically, and they're always particularly keen to get a, a lot of their funding done early in the year, just to get it out of the way and sort of be sure that uh, they don't have anything to worry about. Um, so January is usually very busy for issuance. Well, we spoke to Mike Turner, who's been covering the public sector bond market for us uh, this week about the decisions the ECB has made and the changes to its uh, pandemic emergency purchase programme um, about what, what lies in store both next month for the SSA bond market and beyond. Hi, Mike. Um, net purchases under the Pandemic Emergency Purchase Programme, which we will hereafter be calling the PEP uh, for everyone's benefit, will end in March, uh, two years after the scheme began. How much buying power will that remove from the SSA bond market? Oh, hi, Ralph. Hi, John. Um, it will remove a significant amount of buying power. Um, coming into the end of November, um, PEP bought 68 billion euros of uh, of debt and the vast vast majority of that is focused towards um public sector debt there's some that goes to corporates and some that goes to banks but really it's it's negligible um so that's 68 billion a month yeah right. 68 yeah. billion a month that's right yeah it, it it fluctuates to between about 60 and 80 over the past year or so and so that's that's all being removed so um what's the ecb done to mitigate that because that's an awful big chunk of buying that's suddenly removed from the market overnight um it is there's, there's been a couple of things first of all the ecb is heavily flagged that they are um going to stop the pep in in march at the end of the first quarter so that's at least given people some sort of knowledge that it's happening and and been able to uh, plan accordingly um but in terms of raw cash the ecb is also upping its app 
uh, monthly purchases by uh, what's the APP, uh, sorry, the asset purchase program, which is the overarching bond buying program that the ECB has been running since 2016. The APP is purchases have stood at about 20 billion a month uh, as standard, and now that's go that's doubling to 40 billion for the second quarter of next year. And then what happens to that 40 billion a month, Mike? Uh, well, it's um, it gets scaled back. So in quarter three, it's getting scaled back to 30 billion a month and then down to 20 billion a month uh, from quarter four onwards. And that suggestion of 20 billion a month is uh, what a lot of the market is taking to mean the tapering of the APP entirely. And there's another change to the PEP, isn't there, too, about uh, reinvest, reinvesting the redemptions that the um, that the fund draws from bonds that mature while they hold it? Yeah, so so there won't be more net purchases, but they will. The ECB will be reinvesting um, redemptions for another another year, and they've left that open ended. So it, the redemptions will be reinvested until the end of 2024. But like with lots of things that happened at the ECB meeting, um, the president Christine Lagarde made it clear that it's a flexible goalpost, so it can can be moved. So, Mike, effectively. At the end of March, there's a 50 billion euro a month reduction in what the ECB is sucking out of the market. That's that sounds quite a lot. Is that going to hit the market? Is it going to cause anxiety and disruption? Uh, it's going to cause. I'm not sure if it's going to cause anxiety. I think because it's been so well flagged, people know it's happening. What it might do, or what it certainly will do, is send issuers into the market in January, February, March um, in much larger bulk than they would have anyway, because they all want to get this uh, PEP benefit to their spreads. Um, so the general consensus is that the first quarter is going to be significantly busier than, than it would have been. So, Mike, what sort of borrowers do you think we should expect to see uh, come January? Uh, well, we've still got um, a lot of funding announcements to be made but so far we've had um, a sort of slate of sovereign issuers say that they're coming in January um, uh, Ireland Belgium Austria names like this um, France is expected um, in in total there's probably going to be somewhere north of 40 billion raised just from the sovereign sector in January one thing that is interesting though is that the EU um, sort of one of the, the biggest and boldest issuers on the block um, is not coming for a syndicated deal until February, which has disappointed some parts of the market because they were expecting a bit more from, from that issuer to come. So, Mike, when the announcement was made yesterday, um, how did the market react to the ECB's decision? Uh, it was actually pretty calm, um, which is, again, a testament to how well flagged uh, most of the information was. There was nearly everything that happened that the market expected to happen did happen. Um, which always takes a lot of the sting out of it. Um, I think 10-year bonds ended pretty much flat on the day. Um, and then in the periphery, again, very, very small movements, uh, if anything, slightly up. Things like stock markets were slightly up as well um, because the, the news was delivered as expected. Okay, so even though the, the ECB uh, was slightly hawkish in what it was doing, it, it comes across as positively dovish compared to what the Fed did. Um, Overnight before the ECB meeting, the US Federal Reserve uh, doubled the rate of tapering from 15 to 30 billion a month um, and has indicated that it's going to raise rates three times next year when it was expected to raise rates two times. So it's, it's slightly more hawkish um, than the market expected. And because of that, US Treasuries 
steepened quite sharply at the short end, um, all the way out to two years, while the log end still um, shrugged off a lot of the news. So the, the thing with this is that it's looking likely that there will be um, uh, an inverted curve coming at some point in US Treasuries uh, because the long end is not catching up with the steepening happening in the short end. Or um, it suggests that the, the rate increases are not expected to last for the long term, perhaps. Uh, yes, or or that. Although they're saying that there is um, a sort of growing chorus of people saying that this indicates the Fed's return to neutrality uh, in its monetary policy, um, which would imply that there is a belief among investors that uh, you know these rate increases are here to stay and we're going to get back to a more normalised monetary policy. Um, and that also seems to be something that the ECB is hinting at. It's suggesting that it's going to start raising rates uh, in 2023, or it, it's going to hold off until at least 2023. But the uh, the sense that analysts are getting um, in the market is that this is the sort of slow steer back towards a monetary policy that is uh, at least some way normal. And has the ECB left the door open to um, making uh, net purchases under the PEP again? It's interesting that it's elongated the period at which it will be reinvesting redemptions because that sort of feels like it keeps the scheme alive for longer. And of course, we're in a period of some uncertainty at the moment, aren't we, with the uh, Omicron virus um, inflation looking less transitory than many feared at first and so on. So... Um, and I think you made the point in your leader article this week, Mike, that what the ECB has really done is is brought itself the flexibility to do what it likes in future. Yeah, well, there's, there's the, the ECB has, um, Christine Lagarde repeatedly said the word flexible, flexibility, and any sort of synonym you could think of that during her speech um, at the press conference uh, on Thursday. Um, and the reason behind that is because they have left it as wide open as they can. They're They've made it very clear that they can turn the taps on of the PEP again at any point um, without giving a sort of real criteria for what would make that happen. Um, but with large parts of Europe going into various stages of lockdown, Austria has been in quite a severe lockdown. The Netherlands is is also in a in a curfew type lockdown. Um, it implies that there's 1.85 trillion euros worth of money sitting waiting to be used that that could happen at any time which so, is the size of the uh, pep program which you yes, say yes yes yeah. so yeah that's so yeah if the pep is 1.85 trillion and then it's there ready to be used not including redemptions then it's you know it's a lot of money that that is uh, underpinning the market at the moment um one of the concerns leading into the end of the PEP, which was always scheduled for March, was what would happen to Greek bonds. Um, Greece, Greece has been a beneficiary of the PEP, but its its bonds are ineligible for the asset purchase program. Um, has anything been done to stop uh, a shock occurring to Greek bond yields? Uh, yeah, well, uh, Christine Lagarde made a sort of extraordinary um, comment during her, her speech about the end of the PEP. Um, in that she specifically name-checked the Hellenic Republic, um, which is something that the European Central Bank rarely does. Um, she specifically said that the 
Hellenic Republic's bonds would be purchasable um, if the PEP was to be restarted. So it's just that if the PEP gets restarted, it can. Yeah. So she she said that um, she reiterated that the APP will only include investment grade um, names, which precludes Greece. However, the the fudge is that uh, the the PEP can buy Greek bonds and. This has then been continued to say that they might restart the PEP, and if they do, Greek bonds will very much be in the in the crosshairs. And I suppose another uh, aspect is that with the redemptions that they reinvest, they can um, they've got flexibility on how they do that, haven't they? Under the PEP, I mean, so the ECB is getting money in from redeeming bonds, and they can they can as long as they spend that on 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 fresh bonds, they can. They can allocate that to Greece if they want, can't they? For sure. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. So it will work. I mean, undoubtedly work well to keep Greek yields down. Um, Greece is probably the biggest beneficiary of uh, of um, Lagarde's statement on Thursday. Did did did, would, did Greek bonds move on it? Or? Um, not not really, actually. But then Greek bonds are already trading very tightly for you know, one of the worst economies in, in the EU. Um, and they're printing 30-year debt and things like that. So mm. so Greece is doing okay when it comes yeah. to capital markets. Mm. Well, especially with this kind of kind of support. Yeah, exactly. Which is now sort of open-ended, might end in 2024, might not. Might start buying Greek bonds again, might not. You know, there's, there's so much flexibility there and so much mm. opportunity and possibility for um for greece that i can't see investors turning their back on the sovereign because they just know the ecb will be there to backstop any major swings and did you get a sense that there's a similar dynamic at play for italy and spain which are also big users of the bond markets um and you know the yields on their debt have have suffered during the pandemic i think it's fair to say not not to this anything like the same degree as the eurozone sovereign crisis of about a decade ago but um certainly they're they're they've come under some pressure in the last couple of years uh yes well um, unlike greece they weren't specifically name checks but it, it'd be hard to imagine that if um greece is being looked after by the ecb uh then the other peripheral names won't be as well. Hmm. Cool, thanks, Mike. So, so, Mike, in the big picture, w- what's going on is that the central banks are sort of trying very, very gently to withdraw stimulus, aren't they? And I'm just interested in whether you think um, the market is is kind of handling it and sort of, you know, I mean, there's probably there's quite a long way to go still, isn't there? Because fundamentally, the they're still they're still putting money into the market. So, I mean, do do you think the market can kind of tolerate um, what's coming, which is, you know, eventually the withdrawal of stimulus? I do. I do think the market can because, as you say, it's a very gradual process. The, it's more about how long the process takes rather than the process happening. I think mm. um, if the ECB does it in a measured and well telegraphed and well communicated way, which every indication suggests they will, um, then the market will get used to it step by step. Um, mm. 
and you know it's a necessary thing to happen there are a number of you know bankers who are a decade into their career who have never worked in an environment that hasn't had central bank funding supporting the bonds that they're you know placing with yeah. investors yeah. so it's something that does obviously needs to happen it's about the degree of um how quickly it happens rather than it happening at all i think and indeed, Mike, you've uh, you've covered before other parts of the capital markets for us and uh, funding officials in those parts, the corporate bond markets I'm thinking of in particular, have been particularly keen to see the back of so much central bank support. So presumably the measures will have will, will come with a degree of popularity. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's there are different competitive uh, elements happening in SSAs and there are in the corporate bond market. And it, it should be said that the corporate bond issuers who who want to see the back of um central bank support are generally the ones who are doing pretty well for themselves and it'll be their competitors who who suffer from the most from it um but yeah there's there is a a sort of growing sense that people have had enough of um just this obscene amount of money that is constantly available and has been for years and it's hard to get a sense of fundamental um realization of where companies are and where entire sectors are for as long as as you've got central banks putting this much money into things hmm. and mike what's happening in the uk well the the central bank um raised raised rates by 15 basis points so it was in my opinion it was a month late um they managed to take people by surprise twice in the incorrect <laughs> way um so the market had heavily priced in the central bank raising rates by 15 basis points in november and they didn't do that um covid continued and inflation continued soaring and then markets heavily or sort of 50 50 on it that the rates weren't going to rise until next year because there was so much uncertainty and then the central bank raised rates this month so yeah so as i say it's a double surprise for the market neither of them particularly good um, but it's done now. You know, it's the first time in, in about three years that the central bank has, has raised its rate. So, you know, onwards and upwards, we're on to the next step now to see how that curves inflation. What what have people um, said to you about how that will affect the sterling bond market in January? Has there been any, any because it's, it's had a fantastic year, hasn't it, in terms of um, volumes of bond issuance? And have people told you uh, anything about what they expect for next year? And um, to, to be honest, because there was such an expectation for a rate rise in November, um, it's largely been factored into to sort of planning and pricing and things like that. So mm. it, it shouldn't have too much of an effect. I think if, if maybe if there wasn't a rate rise, it could have could have had a, an effect around the margins on on how people approach the market next year, especially early on. But now it's happened. Um, people are able to sort of fall back to their November planning. So Mike, you've given us a good sense of how busy it will be in the public sector bond market uh, at the start of next year. Um, let's return to your old patch corporate bonds. Um, do you get the sense that that will be equally busy? And is that the result of uh, what the ECB said yesterday? Or uh, do you think there are other factors at play? Uh, well, I think the corporate bond market will be slightly underwhelming if anything unfortunately sorry to my old corporate bond uh, contact but there's um the cspp was was not a focus at all 
Um, That's the yesterday. corporate sector the purchase corporate, program. Sorry, yeah, the corporate sector purchase program, which is the the money allocated to buying corporate debt, investment grade corporate debt. Um, uh, and and that was expected, and that's that's good for the corporate bond market. That it wasn't mentioned and wasn't touched, um, but it does mean that the the factors that have been uh, weighing on corporate bond issuance in 2021 will continue through to 2022. In that a lot of companies still have pretty healthy balance sheets, quite a lot of money, have yet to really fully restart their um, capex programs, um, and what this means is they don't need as much debt. So, you know, January will be busy. It's always busy, but it might not be a sort of headline year that, that leaves people saying, wow, that was, that was really something. Well, whatever happens in January in the capital markets, you'll be able to read about it at globalcapital.com. And that's where you'll also find Mike's and the rest of the team's coverage of this week's central bank announcements. It only remains for me to thank Mike, John and Gerald Hayes, who edits the podcast, for helping me put it all together. The podcast will be back in the new year. So for now, thank you for listening. Have a great Christmas and new year and we'll see you in January. Bye bye.